Okay, uh, this is a New Age and the Occult Lecture number seven. We finished six lectures on the New Age movement. Now we're going to start anywhere from four to six lectures on the world of the occult. It's a week and a day before Halloween, and we'll start the occult, so uh, I think uh, we probably couldn't pick a better time to do it than right now. Oh, thank you, Kurt. And uh, you'll be getting a a trick on your test rather than a treat. Okay, uh, the occult. What is the the occult? We're going to define the occult. Uh, first off, the occult is that which deals with the secret or hidden arts. That's what occult means, secret or hidden. So the occult is that which deals with the secret or hidden arts. It deals with events that go beyond the five senses and deals with the supernatural realm. From a Christian perspective, it is the work of uh, demonic beings, fallen angels. Yeah. Now, what do you mean by arts? Uh, basically, um, the magic arts, the and we're not talking about like the art of illusion, uh, although there is a very thin line between the art of illusion. We'll get to that when we talk about the pseudo-occult in just a minute. Uh, but like the secret arts, like the uh, Chaldeans, the magicians, the Chaldeans the, in the book of Daniel, and that type of thing, the sorcerers of, of the Egyptians, it's kind of the, uh, the arts of sorcery and that type of thing. Uh, yeah? Do you mean like some sort of progressive learned skill that enhances your power as you go Well, we're going to see how much further... Maybe we'll just cover a verse uh, look at look at Deuteronomy 29 29 Deuteronomy 29 29 what's so bad about wanting to know secret things that you can't learn to so see that there's nothing wrong with modern science examining nature and through the five senses trying to learn out about the world okay there's nothing wrong with me using my sense of sight to read the Bible and understand what God has revealed to man. There's nothing wrong if God decided to send an angel to me with a message, there's nothing wrong with me seeing that vision or seeing that angel and accepting it. Uh, there's also nothing wrong if I want to get secret knowledge that's not in the Bible, there's nothing wrong with me going to God for it, but if God doesn't answer my prayer and give it to me, and I still go looking for that secret thing, uh, then, uh, then that is being uh, disobedient to the Lord. Look at Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says, The secret things belong to the Lord our God, but those things which are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of this law. Okay? So basically, there are... God has not given us all knowledge in His revelation to us in nature and His revelation to us in His Word. There are some secret things that, even if you knew the Bible inside out, which none of us do, there are some secret things that we still don't know. But God has determined to withhold some information from us and to give us other, other uh, pieces of information. Uh, but in the world of the occult, what they're basically saying, they're like King Saul, who when God wouldn't answer his prayer about what would happen with the Philistines, um, he wouldn't take no for an answer, so he went to the witch of Endor, and tried to have uh, tried to contact the spirit 
of Samuel the prophet who had recently died and so God sent Samuel the prophet to him to uh, pronounce judgment on him uh, but the fact of the matter was if God says no rather than waiting on the Lord and say maybe the Lord will give me this information at a later time then again if the Lord doesn't want me to have this information I'll be content in what the Lord does want me to know uh, rather than saying that if we go and still look for the secret information uh, through means which the Word of God forbids which basically is any other see it's not wrong to receive information from an angel if God says, sends the angel to you it wouldn't even be wrong to get information from Moses or Elijah if God sent Moses or Elijah to you which I think is very doubtful there's very few cases where things like that have occurred but the Mount of Transfiguration they did appear with Jesus um, but, so what we have to do is test the message with the word of God see if these are from, from God or not test the spirits because not all the spirits are from God 1 John chapter 4 verse 1 um, but uh, basically you know, we have people who are trying to initiate contact with angels and some of them are hoping to contact good angels that's, that's occultic even trying to contact good angels is just as occultic as trying to contact fallen angels, demons um, but if God takes the initiative and was to reveal something to us, that'd be a whole different case. So basically the secret things belong to God. If he chooses to reveal them to us, great. If not, then be content without having it. Uh, but many people uh, throughout history have chosen uh, to seek out that secret hidden information which God never intended for them to have and uh, that brought on the uh, the occultic arts. When it comes to like supernatural powers and things like that, I've always kind of wondered how many of the, the Old Testament prophets, the apostles, worked supernatural acts <clears throat> through the power of God. That power is still there though. It all comes from God, but How would the magicians, I mean, would it be basically like we have our physical and natural laws in the material universe, there's also, I guess, laws or powers or whatever in the spiritual also, mm -hmm. but they chose to improperly access that information or power instead well, of relying upon God. Well, yeah, 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 but they're actually, the, the, the demons have a certain amount of power themselves, I mean, no one would because do, of their nature, well God created Mike Tyson and Mike Tyson has more power in certain areas than any other human being on earth as far as when it comes to throwing a left hook um, so there's different kinds of physical powers and spiritual powers and that type of thing and, oh, and, 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 and I think I understand so the, uh, these guys instead of trusting in the Lord and receiving their wisdom and power from the Lord they're actually receiving it from demonic beings yeah, yeah. that are working through them. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. and, and then now the two things that we need to differentiate here, there was the pseudo-occult and the genuine occult. And sometimes the two are so overlapped it's almost impossible to tell. Uh, but the pseudo-occult or the false occult is just trickery, it's fraudulent, it involves the sleight of hand, mm -hmm. uh, the art of illusion, entertainment. Houdini's a good example because there's a guy where it overlapped. 
because Houdini was just you know the art of illusion. He was an entertainer. He was an escape artist. But when his once his mother died, he had enough interest in the real genuine occult that he began to go to seances to try to contact his dead mother. And then he started uncovering all these false seances, not because he wanted to uncover them, because he he felt he was uh, he took it as a personal slam on him to uh, take advantage of, of his, his love for his lost mother, his deceased mother, for them to fake something. Uh, so Houdini's a guy, and it's very easy. Uh, there are many magicians who, who are magicians uh, as far as entertainers that, uh, you know, the hand is quicker than the eye and they just use the art of illusion, but many of them uh, dabble in the, in the genuine world of the occult because they really would like what what attracted them to the pseudo occult was their desire for a for more power which they didn't have access to uh uh just you know in the regular course of life so it, it can be it doesn't have to be though you know a guy that uh a guy that can do card tricks and you know isn't ripping people off uh, but he's just doing card tricks and stuff like that for entertainment. I don't see anything wrong with that. But then if he starts reading more and more into, uh, like David Copperfield, Doug Henning, and uh, there was another guy. Uh, e each one of those guys, I think, had different different interviews that I've heard them that they expressed at least a very big interest in the in the real world of the occult. And uh, Copperfield actually really gave a blown-up view of himself, which led me to believe he might really be into this power thing. So, uh, uh, but uh, and see, the thing is too is some people take part in the the sleight of hand and the art of illusion uh, for the purpose. To, 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 some do it not to entertain people but actually to fool people into thinking that this guy has spiritual powers so then they could lead them astray with their false religion. So even if the leader himself is is just in the pseudo-occult, um, his followers, he might be leading his father, followers into the genuine occult and he might even uh, fall into it as well. But the distinction that I'm making there is that the, the pseudo-occult would deal with the art of illusion uh, it's used for entertainment, it's trickery, it's fraudulent sleight of hand, and it's not necessarily, uh, th there isn't any real tapping into demonic powers. But in the genuine occult, that, that is where you have genuine demonic intervention. Um, One quick question. Sure. Yeah, hey, you were talking about since the, the, the genuine occultic power comes from demons, you said that some people have tried to contact good angels. Something is popular nowadays too. It would seem that basically because they have more power, you're not going to contact them unless they want to be contacted. So somebody trying to contact a good angel, would you think that that good angel just wouldn't even respond? Would just you know get away or whatever? Or uh, no. Well, well, the, the good angel would only do what God tells it to do. Right. And uh, uh, you know who knows? For all for all I know, you know God forbid us to communicate with the dead. Right. Yet Saul tried to communicate with Samuel the prophet who had died, 
And 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 God God fooled me. God sent him. Yeah. Said, yeah, go ahead and send him. Oh, by the way, pronounce uh, prophesy that he's going to die the next day. So so God sent him just to, to let him say, you want to talk? You want to hear Samuel prophesy what's going to happen tomorrow when you battle the Philistines? He's going to tell you. And so, so he he sent Samuel the prophet. But but uh, but the, but the key is though is in general that I think I believe the reason why God when you look at the uh, and we're going to get to that later on as we look at different aspects of the world of the occult uh, it appears that when you try to communicate with the spirits of the dead or even if you try to communicate with uh, angels by the way can anybody tell me a religious group that considers themselves Christians Catholic Church. right the Roman Catholic Church they communicate with the dead and they communicate with you know we were uh, doing a little demonstration in front of an abortion clinic in Bremerton and everybody held hands to pray and we said a few prayers to Jesus and all of a sudden this one guy lo and behold the Roman Catholic among us started saying a prayer to Michael the Archangel so you could hear all the Protestants real quick trying to drown them out and stuff and praying under their breath uh, uh, Dear Jesus, you are the only one we pray to, and stuff like that. But these guys, you know, in Catholicism, there are there. Uh, Catholicism is basically a blending of paganism and Christianity, to the point where I think that from the Council of Trent, one of the essentials of the faith, justification by faith alone, has been removed. So, you don't mean by saying that when we pray to Jesus, you mean the Triune God, not only. Yeah, God, yeah, God? yeah. But as far as. Uh, yeah, yeah it just, just basically, uh, you could pray to the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit. The the official formula, if you want to find a formula, you, 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 yeah, you pray uh, to the Father in in through the power of the Holy Spirit in Jesus' name. But but uh, for all practical purposes, all three persons of the Trinity uh, are fully deity. So uh, we, we you could pray to any one of the members of the Trinity. Uh, but prayer, by definition, is communication with God. And so what happened was when uh, paganism infiltrated Catholicism, uh, the pagan practice of communicating with, with many gods, some of them lesser gods, that was brought into Catholicism. Uh, but uh, the problem is the Catholics still try to keep the distinction between God and everybody else but they were now treating a portion of that everybody else like God by communicating to them in, in, in prayer. And I mean, uh, um, you know, when Jesus said, Lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, well, he can do that. He's God. He's omnipresent. And uh, if you got a guy in uh, Alaska praying to Jesus simultaneously with a guy in... Uh, in Florida praying to Jesus, that's no problem for Jesus. But when you got Catholics all over the world praying to Mary, uh, number one, the Bible forbids it, and number two, uh, she wouldn't have the capacity to listen to two com more than one conversation at the same time anyway, even if she could hear. So uh, um, they're basically, they're making lesser gods and... Uh, coming up with a form of a, basically a type of henotheism, a, a polytheism, where the triune God is the highest God. And uh, and they don't spell it out that way, but that's what it is for all practical purposes. Anytime you bow before a statue and communicate to it, and, and 
uh, consider that uh, a religious uh, ritual, uh, the Bible would say you're you're, uh, worshiping an idol. It doesn't matter if you don't consider that the highest spirit being that's out there. So, uh, yeah, with with well, one uh, one uh, supreme God, and then there's many lesser deities as well. Uh, okay, so uh, now the genuine occult, there's there's uh, genuine demonic intervention. In other words, in other words, if you if you investigated something, the objects were moving and that type of thing in a house and you investigated and you found out they were being moved by strings and stuff like that, that would be the pseudo-occult. Whereas if you found that you couldn't explain it in naturalistic terms, you can make a case that this is the genuine occult and there's there's, uh, genuine demonic activity going on. Look at 1 John chapter 4 and verse 1. John says this, Beloved, do not believe every spirit but test the spirits whether they are of God because many false prophets have gone out into the world okay when we get messengers to this planet I could care less if they show up in spaceships or not when we get messengers to this planet and they bring a message where Jesus is just uh, uh, one of many great spiritual teachers he's not uniquely God in the flesh and that you don't need to be saved through him uh, then that tells me immediately where that messenger is coming from. And uh, But we are to test the spirits. Um, uh, look, look at 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. And that reads, Now the Spirit expressly, expressly says that in late, latter times some will depart from the faith giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. So they're saying that in the last days, uh, deceiving spirit beings, demons, uh, will lead people astray and will actually teach doctrines to people. Now the interesting thing though is it says that when it says some will depart from the faith, it's not talking about somebody losing their salvation. The Bible teaches you can't lose your salvation. What they're talking about is the fact that there are going to be professing Christians. In fact, it seems to be implied even pockets of professing Christendom, which is actually going to be a demonic uh, religion. And I think we're finding that today. When you look at the Holy Laughter Movement and the Health, Wealth, and Prosperity Doctrine and their appearances of eight-foot-tall Jesuses, I tell you, you don't have to turn on Channel 20 to, to talk to, to find people who are claiming that they that that Jesus appeared to them last week because uh, just you know just read the just read some of the new age channelers there are literally dozens uh, of new age channelers that claim to have received entire books channeled uh, uh, through them by by Jesus who is now a spirit being in some uh, some higher level of existence. So uh, um, I don't think that that's real uh, uncommon what's going on at TBN, but what's, what's occurring is you've got a movement that calls itself Christian that is getting more heavily and heavily occultic each and every day to where, uh, you know, they're doing practices where you disengage the mind and if, if, you're, if you're thinking, well, they, when the holy laughter, whenever they... They yell at a guy because the guy's praying, and he says, "Stop praying! God doesn't want you to think." 
just 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 to, just to experience. God wants you just to experience. That's Hinduism, and in fact, the holy laughter movement that the Hindus call it bhakti. But if you if you allow the laughter to go long enough, usually it turns into barking and animal sounds, which we already see in the holy laughter movement. And you let it go long enough, and eventually uh, uh, it often becomes uh, horrible, blood-curdling screams, uh, which sounds like the soundtrack of hell. Uh, and uh, Bhagwan Rajneesh out of uh, Oregon, uh, they showed a video of their meditation there, and they went into the bhakti state, and they were all laughing and hooting and hollering and falling down on it. This is before the holy laughter thing was popular in the church. Uh, probably the same spirit running the show in the Holy Laughter movement, though. But uh, uh, but eventually it ended up with horrible screams and animal sounds, and it you know started out they just looked like a bunch of fools, but in the end uh, it was looking like uh, they were in horrible torment and pain, and uh, and it looked like uh, uh, you know literally hundreds of people simultaneously being demon possessed. And uh, being uh, tormented by demons. You showed this on TBN. No, this was no TBN wouldn't show it. Uh, uh, this was uh, uh, a video that Rory has on the, on the Rajneesh. Uh, but uh, look at Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Second Corinthians chapter eleven. Uh, this is an interesting chapter because Paul talks about the fact that the, he, he's kind of being sarcastic with the uh, Corinthians and he tells them in verse 4 that if somebody preaches to them a, another Jesus whom we have not preached or you receive a different spirit which we have not received you know a spirit other than the Holy Spirit or a different gospel which we have not accepted you may well put up with it and in other words, what he's basically saying is, you guys, you guys have no problem accepting uh, a non-biblical Jesus, and you guys have no problem accepting uh, a different spirit other than the Holy Spirit, and you have no problem accepting a different gospel other than the true gospel. I mean, Paul's saying every time I turn around, you guys are, have accepted some other, some new heresy preached by some uh, flake, and uh, and Paul's saying you guys have no problem with that. Now I'm trying to help you guys accept the true gospel here and get your heads on straight. Um, but the fact of the matter is, if you've got a different Jesus, and it's not the Jesus of the Bible, like in Mormonism, and a different gospel, it's not the, Jesus, it's not the gospel of the Bible, uh, like in Mormonism, then what does that tell you? It tells you it wasn't brought by the Holy Spirit, it was brought by a different spirit. And uh, so I think that's where you can really zero in and test the spirits to see whether they're from God, does it teach the true Jesus of the Bible and the true gospel message? And if it doesn't, uh, then you know it, it, it's not a spirit sent from God, it's not an angel sent from God. Uh, it is, in fact, a, a fallen angel trying to deceive. So the occult is that which deals with the secret or hidden arts, events that goes, go beyond the five senses and deals with the supernatural i.e. demonic beings that's the genuine occult demonic intervention there is this, the pseudo-occult uh, which is just the art of illusion for entertainment purposes but sometimes like in the case of Houdini we talked about 
sometimes there's an overlap where one leads into the other or someone who's deep in the genuine occult as far as their beliefs may also uh, use some trickery or art of illusion to give people the impression that he has supernatural powers that he might not have to help lead people astray into his uh, genuine occult doctrine of demons okay so it can go both ways but the guy who comes to work who's a nice guy and uh, shows you card tricks though there's a, there's a possibility he might be more susceptible to the genuine occult than the average guy uh, then again he might not be uh, but, it, but it's no indication that he's, he's in the uh, genuine world of the occult and he might just be you know that little hobby that he picked up and that type of thing so in fact I even knew a, a Christian preacher who used to do uh, um, comedy skits as well as uh, uh, the, the art of illusion for entertainment that that was his part-time job and uh, he would do card tricks and this and that for kids and he was part of a comedy team called the Zucchini Brothers and they were on TV and everything but um, but he's out of Florida, so you got to expect that kind of thing out there. But uh, um, okay, it was pretty crazy too, because you know that you ever see that program? What would you do? Where they they ask you to choose whether you get a pie in the face or take what's behind door one? It's a kid program. Well, my daughter used to watch this. You know, this was obviously a few years ago, and she used to watch this program. And one day I'm looking, they introduce these two guys, the Zucchini Brothers. And there's a guy that I went to Liberty University with working on her Master of Art and Religion degree. And I thought, no, I can't believe it. He gets the part in the but, uh, <laughs> but uh, and he was doing, now it was, it was weird stuff. They, somebody would stick their head through the thing and they would use his hands with somebody else's head and a fake body. And it was just real stupid stuff. It was like, man, poor guy. Today's bivocation. Um, okay, uh, so we define the occult. Before we actually start talking about the world of the occult, let's talk about some of the ways that people get introduced to the occult. Okay. Now, let me say something about the, the, this list. Some of the things on this list are. Uh, are actually deep in the world of the occult already. So in other words, some people get introduced to the world of the occult by something that is firmly in the deep in the world of the occult already, uh, whereas other people get introduced to the world of the occult um, by things that are more innocent but are just moving in that direction. Okay? Uh, now, horoscopes and astrology, that already is in the world of the occult. We're going to talk about uh, astrology uh, a little bit later when we actually start dealing with the world of the occult, the belief that the position of the stars and planets directly influence people and, and uh, events and determine our future. Uh, but a lot of people just dabble with that. They're not occultists, but they don't know any better. They don't know enough spiritual truth so they pick up the newspaper each day to see what their horoscope is before making their decisions. And with a lot of them, it's just it's all done tongue-in-cheek. Uh, but this is a good way to introduce somebody. I mean, in the 1940s, you don't find horoscopes in newspapers in this country. 
people would view that as being very anti-Christian and very anti-American. Just the fact that they're accepted today shows how vulnerable people are to the world of the occult. Yeah, Jeff? Yeah, I was uh, asked about fortune cookies. Whenever I take my kids to Chinese restaurants, I say, no, you can have the cookies, but just don't, don't leave the... Am I being a hard case? Uh, I, I think when in doubt, uh, you know, better safe than sorry. Now, I don't... I read them, but... Uh, but you know, we, we we very rarely ever go for Chinese food, so I can never I never remember a time I can never remember a time when Melissa was there, and we had her reading what they were. So, uh, um, but I, I would say better safe than sorry. But yeah, that is based on uh, Eastern religion and that type of thing. And uh, um, but, but fortune cookies taste real good, so I wouldn't I would never say don't eat the fortune cookie. Um, but maybe, maybe maybe what we'll do is we'll just just collect the collect the fortunes collect the fortunes and send them mail them to IBD care of John Gardner and we'll have him investigate a, about thirty or forty thousand of them and and, <laughs> and try to try to present a reputation and all. Um, but but some people uh, get introduced to the occult through the reading the horoscopes in the newspaper and, and uh, get introduced to astrology. Uh, Halloween is uh, uh, a way that uh, many people, especially children, uh, get introduced to the world of the occult. Uh, all the ancient feast days were pagan and we changed every one of them and saturated it with a Christian message. For instance, the, the Christmas time, the uh, in ancient times, you actually worshipped a tree and you worshipped nature, and it was basically a, a form of witchcraft. Now we still have the Christmas tree; we don't worship the tree, uh, but Christmas has been saturated with a Christ, Christian meaning. Same with Easter; it used to be again worshiping of nature and the life. The, the dead nature, the dead things of nature coming back to life, which I think, by the way, uh, I think that you can make a case that both in the stars and in the seasons, you know, God gave the stars and the seasons for signs for mankind. I think you can make a case that the gospel message was at one time revealed through natural revelation, through nature, but then uh, man perverted it so much and because of the fall of mankind and after the flood things got messed up even worse it, 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 was, no, it was not clear enough for man to read the gospel message but you will find in nature with the four seasons you will find the, the death of nature and then the resurrection of nature so uh, I think it's more than uh, just a coincidence that the Easter, uh, the uh, the pagan worship of the uh, reviving of nature, nature coming back to life, I think it's more than coincidence that that was turned into a celebration of uh, the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Uh, in fact, any time that you have something that comes, you don't have a full-blown savior false a false deity that's a savior type that is resurrected you don't have a full-blown resurrection pagan doctrine until after 
the, the literal resurrection of Christ, but you do have some things with like Semiramis and Tammuz that comes pretty close before thousands of years before Christ. And I think that they got it from perverting God's revelation to man through natural revelation. So in other words, uh, um, God had his Bible written on the stars and had his Bible written in nature, but then because of the fall and changes in the Earth's atmosphere, changes in the weather, um, and man's ability to pervert that revelation that eventually God singled out Abraham and through him revealed himself in a special way to the Jewish people and then entrusted them to be custodians of his word and a special revelation. But even in the stars, you know, with Leo the lion and uh, uh, the virgin and, and that type of thing, I, I, I think you could make a case for that. Henry Morris uh, uh, agrees and has written on the subject. But with Halloween, Halloween was left... Uh, all All Souls Night. It was it was the the, the, the eve uh, before All Saints Day, and so it was done. Uh, it was kind of like All Souls Day or whatever. And well, if Catholics are wrong about purgatory, and they are, if you ain't in heaven, you you know you're in torment. So you're flirting with disaster to begin with. But but basically, the practice used to be that the trick or treat was basically. Uh, um, witches coming to your house and if you didn't leave some food for them they would cast a spell on your house so you either give them a treat or they would curse your house and so people out of fear um, would leave food for them and so the, the practice hasn't uh, changed much although most people don't really believe it's harmful don't really believe in the, the world of the occult but the fact of the matter is that the occult is real if demonic beings do exist uh, then we're in a world of trouble. Uh, also, Ouija boards. Uh, Ouija boards are. We had one in our house. I never used it, but I just I just never liked board games. That's the only reason why I didn't use it. But the Ouija board is nothing but an instrument where people, usually trying to just have a good time, say, "Well, let's just pretend that there's." you know, some secret powers out there and we'll try to get information from them. So it's kind of like a channel. It's a vehicle through which demons, if they choose to, can use that to communicate to us. Um, in fact, the movie The Exorcist uh, was actually based on the life of a boy who lived, I, I believe, I used to think it was Georgia, but it was, apparently it was in the Washington, D.C. area, a young 13-year-old boy uh, who uh, got demon-possessed earlier this century, um, but it was uh, what introduced him to the world of the occult was his practice with the with the Ouija board. So, uh, so that's a way that it, uh, that people can be introduced. You know, when people start messing with something that they think is a joke, if it's not a joke, if the Bible is true, and if fallen angels, i.e., demons, do exist then you're basically flirting with disaster and, and that is the case in those areas. By the way, uh, Rory gave me a book, a well-researched book, a book that deals with the Ouija boards and documented cases of demon possession uh, where the uh, initial opening of the door to the demonic realm was the Ouija board.
Um, and by the way, we've had uh, cases uh, of clear demonic influence uh, in this area. Uh, you know, I, I, I know of one case myself that that, uh, that we were called into to investigate, to look into, but by the time we got there, most of the supernatural aspects had ceased. Um, but uh, uh, there's been some cases pretty well documented in this area even of, uh, of demonic uh, influence and demonic work and supernatural um, uh, things occurring. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons and, and other fantasy role-playing games, um, it is not healthy for a boy to take on the role of uh, a rapist, uh, to imagine himself being a rapist, or to imagine himself being a sorcerer, and that type of thing. Now that guy, that the Navy guy, Drizpol, that blew away two buddies on base at Bangor, he was in the Navy, and uh, then he went out, out in town and uh, at the pawn shop on uh, 6th and Callow or whatever, and he shot two people there, killed one and injured the other. Um, this guy was supposed to be a, you know, a Navy guy that was walking on water, was doing real good with one exception. He just really loved his Dungeons and Dragons game to the point where even when he wasn't playing it, he was walking around telling people he was an assassin and he would just stare at them when they would laugh at him. And, uh, but if you take that aspect out of there, you know, in our department, you know, we were part of the, it was a Naval Investigative Service investigation, any homicide is on a Navy base, but we had to protect the crime scene and we helped out the NIS in certain areas. And uh, um, so, you know, we would talk about it amongst ourselves but it was kind of something that was considered uh, n it was considered to be not politically correct and so the Navy didn't mind uh, our second guy in command or Lieutenant Spencer or somebody bringing that up talking with us but as, as long as we kept it to ourselves they didn't mind they just didn't want us blabbing it out to the newspapers or whatever um, I think it did make it into the newspaper though anyway um, but Dungeons and Dragons is is a is a way that you know people are actually tapping into uh, powers that they they don't that they don't believe exist, and uh, lo and behold they do exist and it, it sets you up. Um, you have to get pretty deep into it. I used to play, mm -hmm. and uh, it was always like playing cards. You know, mm -hmm. it was just a recreational kind of thing. However, one thing I did notice was that none of us ever got deep into it. We never dressed up. We never, you know, got all into the out in the woods kind of stuff. But you notice that the more you play it, even just as a recreational thing, the more those concepts and ideas stick with you and the more you start to think well, these are normal, mm -hmm. they exist. It's almost kind of like a desensitizing yeah. thing yeah. to where it becomes part of your... Yeah. And I, I, I think reality. So you just, you know, you think, well, yeah, it's a bunch of garbage. Yeah. It's just fantasy stuff. But yeah. it sure is kind of cool, and it would yeah. be neat if, it, if that was. And it's, and it's, and the thing is too is that there is more than just the physical realm. It's kind of like too, you know, a guy who smokes pot once might not get hooked on it, might not uh, become a, a doper for his whole life, and at the same time, uh, 
I think Dungeons and Dragons is in the same ballpark to where uh, it's something that it, it, it can open the door to the world of the occult and it is extremely dangerous and so even even doing it once or twice would still be bad enough. And by, by the way, let me say this about the occult. Um, I don't think there's anybody in this country under 60 years old that hasn't. If you re the more I study the world of the occult, we are living in a post-Christian era, and we are heavily influenced by the world of the occult. Each and every one of us, before we even came to Christ, and uh, so if you find if you find a few things that are on this list that you say, oh wait a minute, I, I did that or I did this, uh, I, there's an awful lot of these things uh, that I've experienced that I've done, and. Uh, we are living in a paganistic country, and we have been doing so since at least the 60s. And uh, but uh, uh, horror movies and science fiction movies. Now, here's something. Here's something. Dungeons and Dragons. If a guy, if I had an assistant pastor and he played Dungeons and Dragons last night, I, I would have him removed. There would have to be repentance, and he'd have to sit on the sidelines for a while before he could come back in. At the same time, if I find out he watched a, uh, a horror movie, a f movie about Frankenstein, or uh, Star Wars, a science fiction movie, I don't see that. I don't think there's anything wrong with with watching that. Okay. Um, so what I'm getting at, some of the, these things that introduce people to the world of the occult, maybe innocent in themselves uh, but unfortunately you do have some people like like Ted Bundy would watch uh, slasher type movies like Friday the 13th type movies where they show just enough uh, of a woman's body uh, while she's getting her throat slit and it's real graphic blood all over the place that uh, those types of movies can take a certain personality type and influence them to where they begin to view sex as something that uh, you know gee wouldn't they have weird thoughts like gee wouldn't it be great to have sex with uh, a woman and slaughter her while I'm watching it well obviously the average person who watches a movie like Friday the 13th or any horror movies like that um, doesn't get that impression but the fact of the matter is, uh, sometimes you watch those movies and time and time again you have to ask yourself, wait a minute, who is the real hero here? Why the heck am I watching this? Yeah, and you start to wonder, and, and by the way, when I talk about the horror movies that I don't think are real dangerous for the Christian, it would be like the, 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 the old Frankenstein film and stuff, but even that, now just let me tell you about, give, give you the background on Frankenstein. Mary Shelley wrote it, deep in the world of the occult. And, and, and but by the way, what was her big theme? Man trying to bring life from non-life, bring the dead back to life. Man playing God. That's that's considered accepted science now. Trying to bring life from non-life in the lab. And nobody said. I even asked John Medina, a Christian. Well, what a walk on water Christian he is. A theistic evolutionist. But but. Uh, I even oh yeah remember you were there at the moment I asked because he's talking about all this thing they're talking about cloning and stuff he's a microbiologist so I asked him do you, do, do, does that bother you or any of your colleagues is there a fear that the, the government might take this and 
and uh, the powers that be might take this and go too far with it? And he said, uh, no, no, I don't. He seemed confused by the question. Yeah, he seemed like he didn't know what I was getting. I was kind of like, what kind of I, 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 I kind of, I felt like saying, have you ever heard of, uh, have you ever heard of a man named Mengele? You know, and, and the Nazis in the Third Reich. I mean, it's like uh, there are some things that, you know, just because we can do something doesn't mean that we should do it. And uh, sometimes man can sit there and try to play God. Well, Mary Shelley with her Frankenstein, they're trying to bring life from the dead, bring the dead back to life through technology and stuff like that. But, uh, uh, but anyway, when her husband died, she dragged him out to the beach, dragged him into, I guess, I don't know, waist-high water, and cut out his heart with a knife and ate it. Mary Shelley, the one who wrote Frankenstein. So, 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 keep keep in mind, keep in mind. Now, now let, let me say this: a lot of the books on my shelf are. I have Anton Lavey's Satanic Bible. I have occultist. I have New Agers works. I have atheist works. Okay, but everything that I read and everything that I watch, I try to test with the Word of God. Okay. Now, so so I think that if a guy who's grounded in the Word watches Star Wars, that doesn't bother me. Although, the, the, to be honest, the Star Wars movies, they bore me. I don't know what people see in science fiction. A lot of people, a lot of people, they, you know. Uh, but but the, the thing is, is that we, we act like, you know, the guy, uh, the guy that, uh, was it, Lucas, who produced the Star Wars movies, he, he, he basically stated he was trying to teach the West... Uh, about Eastern religion and get it get it to have a, a greater acceptance. That's why the the, the, the force they say the force be with you instead of the Lord be with you, uh, and that's why the source has a dark side and a light side um, uh, because it's beyond good and evil. So um, uh, what bothers me though is when people watch television all the time or watch these horror movies or watch. Uh, um, science fiction movies and don't know uh, enough about the Word of God to test what they're hearing. That then I'm I'm, I'm nervous. Uh, uh, and another another thing is too is if you're watching a horror movie.